Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. You truly are holy and set apart and glorious. In your great mercy, you have looked down upon us and shown a love that transcends anything humanly possible. I pray that you would overwhelm us here today, that we would truly find you beautiful and captivating and overwhelming. I pray that the pressures and the stresses of life would melt away from this place because we find ourselves in the Creator's presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated for tonight's scripture reading. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 to 41. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory for the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. The word of the Lord. We sing songs and we read scripture and it has the word glory in it. Maybe it's oftentimes that we are not quite sure in that moment what it means. I want to suggest to us that that we are seekers of glory. We want glory. We want to be significant in this world. We want what we do to matter to others. We want to be recognized. But you may be thinking, well, I don't really struggle with wanting glory that way. I don't want to be recognized. I don't care if I'm appreciated. And I'll suggest that maybe your glory seeking in a different way. Maybe your glory comes from avoiding embarrassment. You simply don't want to be called out or humiliated. So our glory could simply be the fact that we sit on the sidelines and we find ourselves away from the limelight, thus avoiding criticism. We don't want recognition. We just don't want to be noticed in any negative way whatsoever. It's not just the show-offs that find themselves seeking glory. When I was a senior in high school, my senior pictures did not turn out very well. Some of you know where this is going. For some reason, the, the quality 
wasn't to my liking, and I was ashamed of it being publicized for everyone to see. So I told my mom about this, and she set an appointment. There was a really nice place in a neighboring town for us to go and to have my pictures redone. We pull into the shopping center, and I ask my mom, I say, uh, Mom, are you sure this is the right place? This place says Glamour Shots. Isn't this a place where women go to get fancy pictures? And then, and then my mom looked me right in the eye, and she lied to me. She said, don't be silly, Daniel. Of course they take pictures of men, too. So we went inside for my glamour shot photo. Being a, a good son, but mostly being desperate for new photos that would help me feel better about myself, I went in with her. It became awkward very quickly. However, I didn't question until they started to put makeup on my face. And I was assured in that moment that this was absolutely normal. And it was just there to help the pictures look the best quality. Then the photos were taken. I'll leave out the details. But I remember looking at the proofs later, trying to pick the best pose, the best picture, and thinking, I'm going to have to pick the least humiliating one because none of them were the type of glamour or the glory that I was shooting for. I failed in my attempt in glory. That picture remains today on my grandmother's wall. So every time we go there for family reunions or Christmas or whatever, my family makes fun of me. And we laugh about that tragic event in my life. It was far from the glory that I had hoped for. I didn't like the way I was presented. So I went out and sought another presentation of myself. In that moment, I was wanting glory for myself. I wanted to show a picture. Hey, this is what I look like. Why did I and why do we seek glory? There's actually an answer for this. The answer is simple. Because we were made for glory. Why do we seek glory? Because that is the way God made us. For glory. Look with me in Psalm 8, verses 3 through 8. And we can see that we were made for glory. The psalmist, he writes, When I look at your heavens, God, and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. This is the beautiful part. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the fields and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. 
You see, we were made for God's glory. This is what He designed us for. In fact, we are His prized creation. Humans are the only part of God's creation that are made in His image. This is why we seek glory. We were made for it. But sin took us out of God's glory and brought us into our own glory, a glory of ourselves. Our present state, the life that we live in, is a life of glory, but it's temporary in its glory. This is not how God originally designed His prized creation to live. So today we're talking about clinging to glory. And we're going to see that our present glory will die. Our future glory will live. And that the resurrection is our glory promise. So let's look at the first one together. Our present glory will die. We're in the letter of 1 Corinthians and we're in chapter 15, going verse by verse. If you want to join me there, you can. We're going to see that our our present glory is our current life. This is what it means when it will die. It's it's the recognition that we receive right now. It's the glamour that that we strive for. It's the applause that we crave. It's the attention that we chase after. This life has glory of its own. But these temporary bodies that we live in right now operate on a broken system. The broken system is easy for us to see because most of New York City is suffering right now from the intense pollen in this allergy season. It seems like wherever I go, I am sneezing and everyone else is as well. And it's causing reactions in our systems. And we see that they're broken. We weren't designed to suffer. These bodies get sick. And these bodies eventually will die. The present glory we have in these bodies will also die as well. So look with me in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 and following. Paul writes, But but someone will ask, Well, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it, sh- that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. So Paul is talking about the seed that is planted in the ground. It doesn't come back as a seed again, although it produces more seeds in its, in its growth but it ceases to be a seed in the same way. The point Paul is making here is that our our resurrected bodies, when they are raised from the dead, they're not going to run, they're not going to operate on the same power source that we're running on now. They're not going to run and have to follow the same rules that we have to oblige now. It will be so different, he says, that the old system is going to have to die. The old system is going to pass away before this new system fully begins. So Paul understands that their questions aren't valid because they are based upon the principle of the current operating system. And so he's saying, no, 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 no. It's got to die before it can have life. That way of life, that way of thinking must also die. So this Seed is sown into the ground looking like one thing and it comes up very different. 
He's not saying that our bodies will be buried into the ground and then those bodies are going to grow like a plant would grow to a, to a new body. What he is saying here is that we have to understand God is doing something glorious here. Outside of the realm of what you currently expect. He's transforming our old bodies into new bodies. They're not going to run the same way. The resurrection has changed the way we think. It is a new way of thinking and it has broken the mold of the old system. So the first thing to cling to glory that we need to understand is that our present glory will die. The second one is this. Our future glory will live. Our future glory will live. God never intended for us to die. We ask this question a lot as, as humans. And we think and we say, how could God allow something like that to happen? And we forget that this is not the world God originally created. He did not break the world. It's actually Him who is bringing healing to a broken world. He never intended for death to have authority that it has. But mankind chose its own glory over the glory of God. But instead of leaving us alone to die, God has chosen to give us glory again. The future glory that God gives is an eternal glory, and that glory will never get sick. That body will never die. It will live forever as God originally intended. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 37 and following. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He has chosen, and to each kind of, its, of seed its own body. For not all flesh is, is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. So we'll stop right there. God is telling us that death is going to die. That's good news. Death is going to die. Sin will no longer have rule or reign or authority over our bodies. There are going to be similarities between our bodies now and our resurrected body, but there's going to be one major difference. We're going to be operating by God's Spirit. We're going to be operating by the glory of God instead of the glory of mankind. We will be with Him forever. In verse 38 there, it said that God gives it a body. God gives it a body. So our future glory that God is giving to us is given to us by the work of our Creator. This is another application of grace. The future glory that God is giving to us isn't by us attaining, but it is something that is given to us by the work that God has accomplished through Jesus. It involves a transformation of this body into a new body that's similar yet radically different. I hope you'll be here next week, actually. We're going to be uncovering more of this transform transformation process and what it means for our bodies, our resurrected bodies. But this week, we want this simple, clear point to resonate with us. Our future glory will never die. Our present glory will die, but our future glory will never die. It will live forever. God will give us a new body that will run on His glory, and it will be a glory that is specific. 
not just to all of creation, but special to his prized creation, humans. You are prized by God. And there is a special promise, a special glory that awaits all who are in Christ that differs from any other part of God's creation. We can look and we can marvel at this, the stars and the moon and the, and the sky. And we can think, wow, just like the psalmist did, how could you, God, think of me? And in that moment, we can have that illumination like he did and say, wow, of all this creation, you have given us dominion and authority because you prize us. Our future glory will live forever. Our present glory will die. Our future glory will live forever. And the third thing we see is the resurrection is our glory promise. So this whole chapter, again, highlights the resurrection of Christ and the implications it has for our lives now and in the future. So we cling to this promise from God because if the resurrection is false then all of our faith as a Christian is wiped away. If the resurrection ceases to exist, then we are here in vanity. There's no purpose, there's no point to what we're doing. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then He does not have glory. And if He did not raise from the dead and be glorified, then we also will not receive that glory. So Paul is talking about the resurrection from the dead and what it meant for us and for our flesh. And let's pick up his line of thinking as we read here in verse 39. For, all flesh is, uh, for, all, for not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So part of this is quite simple. So we need to understand there are different types of physicality in our world. Different substances. The fish in the sea and the stars in the sky, they're not the same, are they? They're different. So when Paul speaks of these things, the, specifically the, the stars in the sky and and the, the moon, when they have glory, he's speaking specifically of their brightness. They're glowing. He's not saying that when we are resurrected, that we're going to be shining like electric light bulbs. That's not what he's preparing us for. It's a different kind of glory that we are raised to. And we have to look into next week's text to get a glimpse of that. Our glory isn't bright like being illuminated and shining in the darkness, but our glory instead is this. It's honor. It's splendor. Instead of shame and humiliation. Look with me in chapter 15, verse 42. So he's, this is right after we just finished here, and he says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, this body right now, it's perishable. It dies. What is raised is imperishable, never to die. And then verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. 
but it is raised in glory. And so we see the contrast here. The glory that we will be raised to is the opposite of shame and humiliation. It's honor. It's splendor. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's holiness. This is a fantastic body. I have been trying to convince myself to start working out, and I, I, I want to say that I did today, because I, I did about 15 to 20 you know, curls with the 10-pound bars, got a little winded, uh, I considered sweating, I did not, uh, but I'm going to take baby steps in that right direction, and so honestly, I, I felt a little dishonor as I realized how winded I became from such little little effort. But I'm going to, to work at it this week. Not so that I can attain glory, but so I can be in good shape. But what a day it's going to be when I stand before Jesus with a resurrected body and I see Him in His glory. And when God sees me, He no longer sees dishonor. He doesn't look upon me and say, man, you really messed up here. But instead, He sees His Son. His child. He sees holiness. Splendor. I'll be majestic. I'll have full honor. My beauty will be unfading. For all those who trust in Christ, we will be raised unashamed with a glorious new body. That's exciting. Before that happens, we must die. Before we live, we must die. It's a beautiful hymn called, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. One of the verses says, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save, and that means accept, accept in the death of Christ my God. So don't let me boast in anything but the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me the most, I sacrifice them to His blood. This is a dying to our own glory. Our glory will die eventually. But the question that I have today is are we going to die to our glory before our glory dies to us? The Gospel invites us to come to Jesus and to die. It doesn't sound appealing until you explain it more. Come to Jesus and die. Chris Tomlin remade this hymn and added a verse, a chorus actually, and it says, Oh, the wonderful cross bids me come and die and find that I may truly live. The Gospel tells us to come and to die to our our present glory that's temporary so that we can truly live in the eternal glory of God. Jesus also said this in John chapter 12, verse 24. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. It's interesting to know that Jesus was talking about himself in this particular passage. He was willing to go and die so that we could see his glory and to share in his glory. You see, he suffered so that he would bring many sons and daughters to glory, which is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. This was his purpose in life. This was why he chose death on a cross, to glorify the Father and bring others into the glory that only Jesus shared with the Father. So because of his death and resurrection, we are guaranteed the same. When we die to our own glory, we will be raised with the glory of God. When we give it up, I don't want this temporary glory anymore. I want you, Jesus. When we die to our own glory, we will be raised with the glory of God. When we start to experience the the majesty, the glory of the resurrection, we will clearly see how great and magnificent God truly is. And in that moment, when we see how true and truly magnificent He is, we start to understand how magnificent and how glorious we will be and how we already are this side of the resurrection as well. I'm not sure if in that moment when we are at the resurrection, if we will be able to look back and ponder the, the fruits of our life here. But for imagination's sake, I imagine that if we were to look back in that moment, we would likely shake our heads at how much energy we spent and how much significance we placed upon temporary things of this world. Our quest for glory will seem quite foolish to us. I know that I look back at my glamour shot photo and I laugh. That sheepish grin, those awkward poses, It's actually quite hilarious. And I might as well laugh at it because every time I go see it, my family's going to bring it up and and rag me about it. So I might as well embrace it. They won't let it go. But I am pleased to know that at the resurrection, my failed attempt and all our failed attempts at achieving our own glory will fade away, they'll be forgotten. And we will experience the true glory that God designed for His glorious masterpiece of creation. Humans. Created in the image of God. So instead of hiding ourselves behind makeup, hair product, new clothes, and fancy shoes in a futile attempt to gain our own glory, that won't be the picture at resurrection. The picture will be us being unveiled, presented before the Lord in all of His glory, and His glory will shine through our resurrected body. We will be truly glorious and breathtaking, with no shame, no humiliation. There will be honor and splendor, and we will be made glorious by His grace and the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So my final question, which glory will you cling to? this temporary glory that will die or the future glory that will live. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, You are an amazing Father. You have taken people who have rebelled against You, and You have chosen to love us in order to make us lovely. Lord, I pray that today we would choose again, and every day we would choose to die to our own glory. That we would seek the life-giving glory of the Lord. Father, I pray that You would remind us of the resurrection. That Your glory would, would change us. Change the way we live today. That we would not desire the things of the world in an unhealthy way, but we would desire for this world and our lives to do everything it can to bring glory to You. Take away the desires of our hearts that turn us from You. May we seek peace and pursue it. May we desire You instead. We praise You, Jesus, for dying, for giving up Your glory so that we could share in Yours. I pray that we would cling to You and that we would all choose to trust You with every fiber of our being. In Jesus' name and for Your glory, Amen. Amen. Now we have an opportunity to respond to the message that we've just heard about clinging to glory. In just a moment, uh, you can come forward physically and, and receive communion. Communion is a celebration for members of the family of God. It's those people who have placed their faith in the work that Jesus has done on the cross, exchanging the glory of man, which could have easily, easily taken for the glory of God. And at communion, we come and we experience, like Daniel just said, the death of Christ. And when you receive the bread, the words will be spoken to you. This is Christ's body, which was broken for you. And in that moment, we receive the death of Christ. It is us coming and dying. But that's not the end of communion. Because then we step to the cup you can take the bread and dip it in the cup, and the words that will be spoken to you contain the glory and the life-giving power of salvation and of communion. And that is, this is Christ's blood which is poured out for you as a new covenant. The old covenant, the law, just brings shame because none of us can fulfill the law. None of us can check all of the rules of God. We cannot live up to it. So it just brings shame. It's just like one of my children trying to live up to every rule that we have in our house. It's impossible. But the blood steps in and Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law. And now you can place your faith in me and exchange all of that shame which you are due for the glory that I have received. So tonight, in communion, die to the glory that you get from man. Simple things that we strive, that we hunger for of glory. Putting a post on social media and, and desiring that people like it and lift us up. Getting a promotion at work because we'll be lifted above our co-workers 
or be given accolades by our boss. All of these things, they die. The euphoria we receive when we are given this temporary earthly glory lasts for but a moment. I think if Solomon were living today, he would say a Facebook like is fleeting like the wind because the glory that comes from it falls. But tonight as you come, placing your faith in Jesus, not just as the one who has saved you and forgiven you, but the one who has set you free and is the Lord and King of your life, come and receive his glory, which will never die. The glory of the resurrection. You may also come confessing of your sins here at the altar. I'll be standing over here if you would like to pray with someone. If you'd like someone um, to pray the words that you are forgiven in Jesus, I would love to pray with you over here at the side. But as you come celebrating communion as a family of God together, Exchange the shame that you deserve, that I deserve because of sin, for the glory that Christ has purchased on the cross. Heavenly Father, thank you that we were included in that prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17, where he said that he wants us to experience the same love that you showed him that he wants us to experience that same weight, that heaviness, the holiness of your glory that you experienced when you were raised from the dead. So, Father, tonight we come in humility, confessing our sins, and in faith, trusting you to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are humbled that you would allow us to be partakers of your glory. Fill us with the power of your spirit to cling to the glory of God, not the glory of man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. After the musicians begin singing in a moment, I invite you to come and receive communion in celebration of the work that Jesus has done on the cross.